said, I said, Javon said great fighter. He fighting 130 pounds. <laughs> no, he said he'll beat my what? He'll beat my what? He's a great fighter. Fight 130. I think he'll beat Lomachenko. If you, if you want to sort it out, find me. You didn't find me. You could have fought me and you didn't. If you want to find me, here I am. Let's have a fight. Let's do it on the cobbles if you want. Forget boxing. Let's do it outside. You can see in my eyes that this is going to be our toughest fight. Your eyes? You know. Both of your eyes is messed up. How am I seeing your eyes and well, you see if Come on, let's be serious. Let's be serious. You know. Come on, man. You know. Let's be serious. You know. Well, well, you will. Well, you will. Ooh, I came at the perfect time. At the perfect goddamn time. At the perfect goddamn time. So, you already know. I'm just trying to figure out how you're doing your shit at 160. And welcome back to the number one podcast in the sport where Eddie Hearn's about to get treated like he did back at Sky. You know, he's about to get sent to the back of the bus. But we're going to touch on that later. What I really wanted to do today was talk about the the whole DAZN BT Sports scenario and and why what why it's actually really important because I think a lot of times what happens as boxing fans is we assume that everything's about us. Everything's about boxing. Boxing's the the main driver in things. When actually boxing's in is is almost a complete irrelevance to what's happening in the boardrooms of BT and the zone and some of the other interested parties. But it's worth just taking a massive leap back and let's let's talk about what's actually out there in the public domain. So at the moment there are talks about the zone taking a majority stake in BT Sport, right? That that's that's currently where the discussion is. I think it's Lazard are quarterbacking the whole thing. So Lazard are an investment bank. Well they're an investment bank advisory firm like they don't actually carry capital on their balance sheet, if you see what I mean. So they're not necessarily a JP Morgan, but they're kind of like JP Morgan Light or Morgan Stanley Light or Bank of America Merrill Lynch Light. And so the proposed deal is somewhere north of £530 million. And that's to to either fully acquire BT Sport or to take a majority stake in BT Sport. BT on stupid. They know sport is still important to their strategic goals and also their their visibility nationally. So, I think ideally BT would like to keep a stake. You know, just for almost for legacy reasons and maybe to ride the potential growth because the sense is you're sort of selling this at a discount. So there's all of this complexity that feeds into it, but you got to start with the why. Why BT Sport and why now? This is one of those rare scenarios. And just, just so context when people say, what's he talking about? So in my earlier years, I did, I did two internships. I did an M&A internship and I did a fixed income internship. So my fixed income internship, I did at RBS. And we did loads of syndications around motor financing. We did a 900 million one for the Volkswagen Group. God, those were the days. And then... I did my M&A one at Goldman Sachs. Um, people say, why don't you take the job? That's another story for another time. But in essence, I've, I've, I've seen a lot of this stuff happen. So some of it makes sense to me. What you have essentially here are, and it's a strange scenario because you've got two people that have to act. Because normally what you have is you have a hungry buyer, unwilling seller, 
desperate seller, reluctant buyer. They're all normally all these psychological dynamics that can either push the price up significantly or down significantly. Here's the scenario where you need, you've got two people that actually need this to happen. And I'll explain why. The zone of struggle to grow in the UK. Um, ignore what Eddie Hearn says. I mean, he, he's talking to a very narrow audience. And I don't think he's availed of the full picture. But essentially, the zone of struggle to grow in the UK the way they wanted to. And the presumption had been, you know, Eddie Hearn's magic would be enough to bring a lot of those people that had Sky subscriptions over to DAZN. Hasn't worked out that way. People have realized they can just watch the fights two days later on DAZN without missing out on much because the star power's not there on the matchroom roster. But DAZN realized that from a revenue perspective, from a prestige perspective, they need a strong foothold in the United Kingdom. Bear in mind that the Premier League is one of the, one of the handful of real blue ticket sports right packages that you can get hold of right and to be able to broadcast the premier league in the united kingdom is a massive coup and it puts you at a level where you can then bid for other more attractive sports rights so the zone needs to grow and it needs prestige in the united kingdom there's nowhere for it to go because everything's kind of sewn up that's the nature of britain we we tend to have things sewn up. There's no real growth opportunity. You're not going to grow organically in sport in the United Kingdom because we're a saturated sports market. We're a small island that consumes a disproportionate amount of sport and pays a disproportionate amount for it. BT come at it from a different problem. BT aren't a sports business. I know it's BT Sport, but as a whole, they're not a sports business. It's just kind of a, a tack on. And it's a legacy from the days where they thought they could get everyone to get their mobile phone, their broadband, their TV package, and all of that together. And so you'd secure greater wallet share for your customers. And I think what's happened over the years is their wholesale business has become the dominant business. So BT are now just a wholesale player, easier to service, easier to manage, easier to grow than your retail market. But the retail market is also good to have for prestige, brand awareness, and to be seen to be doing something for society. You know, those sorts of weird things, are, they're important for CEOs and boards because regulators look favorably on that. But here's the reality. BT Sports gone from something like three and a half, four million subscribers down to about 1.6, 1.7 million. So they've lost two million subscribers. It's a business on the way down as people find more creative ways to consume sport. Still... Yeah, it's still profitable, but if you're shelling out $800 million a year to run your sports business, as a minimum, it's probably more. Shareholders are going to ask, could we be doing something more with that capital? Could that be investment capital for a US venture? Could that be investment capital for a bigger presence in the EU? Could that be investment capital into enhancing 5G coverage? Could that be investment capital into researching 6, 7, 8, 9G capabilities? And would that generate a greater return? Because look, let's be realistic. If, if BT Sport is snaking over a profit of 5 million, you're not even at 1% return on your capital. And if you've got real rates of inflation in the economy of 5 to 7%, in real terms, your money's worth a lot less. Like that net presence value of money is real. 
So BT are looking at this business going, it consumes a lot of capital. It doesn't deliver a massive return for what we're doing. We don't necessarily need it. It's a nice to have. So shareholder pressure is use the capital in a more efficient way. So now you're saying, well, if we sell this, it means we get an inflow of capital, 530 million plus, plus we're not spending this in an inefficient way anymore. So in real terms, in accounting terms, you actually end up better off. So it makes sense for everyone to come to the table and have this discussion. Because strategically, both parties are better off, right? They're, these two parties are better off doing a deal. And so what is this deal? What do you actually get if you're a designer and you buy BT Sport? What, what is it that you're going to have in your hand at the end of this deal? So uh, intangibles. You're going to get the BT Sport brand if you want it. Do you really need it? You get the enhanced reputation of the United Kingdom, more eyes on you. People now know who DAZN are. You're a serious player in the United Kingdom now. Those are intangibles. You can put a price on them, but not too much. But in terms of hardcore assets, you're going to get, this, you're going to get sports rights. You're going to get rugby union. You're going to get the premiership. And then you're going to get the Champions Cup. You're going to get the football, the Premier League, and the Champions League. You're going to get England's away cricket fixtures. So they're the, the crown jewels. And then you get all the other stuff that they do, like rallying and so on and so forth. So you get that. And that's really what DAZN want. But what you're also going to get are the BT studios. So the, the setup they've got over in Stratford. So that, that's the studios. Imagine the camera equipment. Remember, you're going to have to bring the staff over with you as well because they all have contracts of employment. So you're essentially buying the whole business. But if you're DAZN, you don't want the whole business. You're really buying this for the sports rights. Now, by the time this comes out, maybe it's been announced, but DAZN have been working on their own studio capability. So what DAZN want to do strategically is not just acquire rights, but they also want to become the home of quality sports content. So if you remember ESPN's 30 for 30 and the impact that had, particularly in the pandemic when they were able to reach a whole new audience because that was the only thing that you could run almost on a loop. And you, what are they up to, like 60 or 70 documentaries? And you could consume all of those over the lockdown. So that became a, a phenomenon in its own right. And the zone have seen that and said, we need our own. And I don't even think this is shoulder programming because this is actually just distinct TV production in its own right. You know? And I think that's a good thing. I think that, like in America, they did one on the Mannings and so on and so forth. Can DAZN find something similar in the United Kingdom, in Europe or elsewhere? So they don't need some of the stuff that BT are trying to sell. And this is where the negotiations over price become, you know, they become tricky. But you notice at no point have I talked about boxing. Because they're not particularly bothered. The numbers they get on boxing are insignificant. The growth that they could drive through boxing is insignificant. You know, the assets they have aren't guaranteed. So Tyson Fury may not be on BT Sport by the time the deal's done. He definitely won't be on BT Sport by the time that the two companies integrate. And then you go down that roster and say, who'll still stick around? We don't know. So you can't put a value on that. So that's essentially what you're buying for your 500 million. But it's even deeper than that. What you're buying is you're buying a book of business. Like we said earlier, you're buying 1.6, 1.7 million customers. So what's that? A few hundred quid cost per acquisition, maybe 300 quid, 350 quid per customer. 
And then what's the lifetime value of that customer? Five, 10 years? Okay, 80 quid per customer. How much do we expect them to pay? I reckon you'll be charged about between 50 and 20 quid a month. You can make your money back on these customers in about five to seven years. So you're buying that book of business and you're also buying the leads from the two, from the two million that have left because you can then market to them, reactivate, try and get them to come back on board. So that's essentially what you're buying. You're buying a potential scale-up of three million. That's not going to make you Sky, but it's going to get you closer to being Sky. It's going to make you a real voice in British sport. And it's going to show, when you go bidding for the rights, that actually we can, we can, we can take you global now. We can, we can make you big in the UK and we can take you global. Would that be true for boxing? Well, yes and no. Because it's essentially the same customer base that BT were marketing to. And the only question is, could the zone market better? And so could they get a greater penetration of that already BT sport kind of market? The question, I, who knows? Don't know. You know, like we come back to the question, was it Eddie? Was it Sky? And you'll just get a replay of that here from a boxing perspective. So most people listening to this, you're a boxing fan. You're like, well, it makes perfect sense. Well, why wouldn't you just do this deal? And they're complicating factors. Like, they're on everything, right? So BT understand that if they don't have runners and riders in this, zone can just drive the price down and say, we're the only show in town. So in order to drive value up, and this is normally driven by the bankers because the bigger the deal, the bigger their fee is. So the bankers have gone to ITV and said, do you want to have a look at this? They've gone to the Discovery Group who are behind Eurosport and said, do you want to have a look at this? Discovery have said, oh, yes, please. Because if you look at what Discovery are now doing, they're expanding their media portfolio. So I think they're just about to buy, uh, is it Universal? Universal Media Group? Or one of the, oh no, Warner Media Group, sorry. They're about to buy Warner Media Group. That's going to be a pretty hefty deal. That's going to be half a billion plus. And so what they're trying to do is build this media titan, right? Because they already have things like the Discovery Channel and so forth. And they've got sports rights of their own. So they've got the Olympics. They've got the Winter Olympics. They've got the Tour de France. They've got pretty valuable assets. And what they're seeing is if we can bring that, with what's happening in the UK from a Premier League, Champions League perspective, even add in the rugby and then bring in some of that French rugby, if we could bring all of this together, we, be, we build a formidable media presence. So from a BT sport perspective, what you're looking at is going, well, we could partner with them. And that gives us even more content to share over here. And we get to tap into their growth journey because I imagine if they did a joint venture there'd be some joint stock and this, that, and the third. And, you know, the financial engineering would be favorable. So the question at that point becomes, if we do a joint venture with Discovery, is that suddenly worth two and a half, three billion? And could we spin that off into its own company? Because that would give you a greater return on capital than going off with zone. And so here are the questions that the, the BT boardroom will have to wrestle with. And it's about how long will that take? So is that a two-year joint venture like to integrate and to start growing? So really you don't get to dispose of the asset till what, 2027? That's a long way. And you know, capital has a cost over the, over those five years. 
Or do you go with the zone now, take the money and go and do something else with it? And that's what we're waiting on at the moment is the answers to those questions. And we can go through the technicalities. And I'm not sure you guys aren't really that interested. You're obviously saying, okay, cool. So what does this mean for boxing? If we assume that the zone and BT Sport deal goes ahead, right? First person you've got to look at is Frank. What does that mean for Frank? Frank will have a contract with BT Sport. I think he signed one for three years. So his, his position is solid contractually. They can't move him without having to pay him a significant amount of money. But if you're Frank, you don't want to go back to Box Nation, number one. Number two, what's the appetite of ITV? And we know ITV had a look at BT Sport, but what's the appetite of ITV to get back involved in boxing in a way that would be more significant than they did with Chris Eubank because they dipped their toe in and they realized it wasn't generating the return and they pulled back out. So is there an appetite? So if I'm frank, I'm going, I don't want to go back to Box Nation because I already proved it doesn't work. Eddie's just proved that it doesn't work. I want to stay here. So that causes a problem because now you've got Matchman Queensbury. But that should also be an opportunity, right? Because someone at the top of zone should say, you guys have to find a way to work together now. You're under the same banner. Broadcasters shouldn't be an issue. So you could end up in a scenario where you've got Oscar with Golden Boy, Frank with Queensbury, Eddie with Matchroom. And either you play them off against each other, kind of like what's happening now, or you pull them all together and say, you guys have to make these fights happen. And you kind of have your matchmaking done by committee. The other option is to, to, to get rid of Frank and to say, here, Frank, there's a check for however many million and zone will probably have to pay for that for Frank Warren to go. And then Frank might just say... I'm done with boxing. I don't think he will, but he might say, I'm done with boxing, go to ITV, go back to the BBC. There aren't many options, though. You get the feeling that as boxing becomes more and more of a niche sport, you're either on Sky or you're on BT slash The Zone. So that's going to be interesting to see, has Eddie got enough pull to push Frank out, or has Frank got enough, has he got enough staying power within BT to stick around and cause and cause Eddie all kinds of problems. Only time will tell. But that's going to be an interesting dynamic. You know, what do you do with the with the stable of boxing promoters and talent that you suddenly acquire? But if you're Eddie, man, out of the frying pan into the fire, I guess, right? Because if you look at the zone story up until now, Eddie's been front and center of it all. Because they haven't really had anyone else. Eddie's been front and center. Oscar's not reliable enough to be front and center, but Oscar's been a voice as well, right? But it's definitely, I mean, a feel of the Keystone Cops about it. But what happens when DeZone suddenly have football and rugby and cricket rights? You know, Eddie Hearn goes to the back of the bus. He's not going to have the access to the CEO in the same way. You know, now that the CEO's changed, because if you go back a year, it was James Rushton, right? And it seemed that there was a good, good relationship there between... Rush, James Rushton, Joel Markovsky, and Eddie Hearn. And, you know, they were committed to this growth journey that hasn't really happened for them. Definitely hasn't happened for them in the United States. Really hasn't happened, them, ha really hasn't happened for them in the United Kingdom. So once you get the football guys come in, because you're going to have to get people who know about football to drive the football product and people who know about rugby to drive the rugby product. Bigger viewership, more lucrative, 
they've got the ear of the board and the chief exec in a way that Eddie won't have anymore. So Eddie goes to the back of the bus. He might be there with, I don't know, netball, handball, corfball, windsurfing. That's, that might be where Eddie ends up. Will his ego be able to cope with that? The other thing, like, if you look at it strategically, the zone's gone away from this growth through boxing, which it was. It was all right. We're just going to put on the best fights in boxing, and that's how we're going to grow. So the growth through boxing strategy didn't work. And what you're seeing now is a, a different strategy from DAZN, and it's around three key pillars. Number one, secure, I mean, the, the blue ticket. What is the blue ticket? Blue ribbon, we'll call them. Blue ribbon sports rights, football, rugby, and so on and so forth. I also wonder if they're going to start introducing sports to the UK, like college football, college basketball, and try and create new demand, kind of like the NFL did in the UK, where they slowly crept in and we all became fans of the NFL for some really obscure and arcane reason. If they can do that with college sport, that might be a growth opportunity right there without, without significant outlay. So secure the best rights you can. Second thing, create original content. So give people a reason to tune into the zone for something they can't watch anywhere else. If you don't watch it on design, you won't watch it anywhere else. We will not put it online, okay? That's another one they can do. The third element is technology. And so this is the direction designer heading in now. If we can't grow bigger than Sky, can we at least get more of a share of wallet from our customers? How do you do that? Stuff like gambling, maybe merchandise, sales, and so forth. You... You can become a gambling platform, marketplace, all these sorts of things they're looking at now in terms of how do you engage fans during live sporting content. So if you look at all those three elements, Eddie's not going to help you negotiate rights, right? Let's be absolutely clear about this. He hasn't got a clue. Eddie's not going to help you produce original content because we've seen what he's done so far and it's been poor, right? Well, what he's shown is he's not a great creative mind. Is he a good salesman? 1,000%. Is he a creative mind and a visionary? God, no. Third thing, he knows nothing about technology. He's not, not going to grow through technology. That's not who he is. And so it comes back to the point. When you're Eddie, you go to the back of the bus because you don't, all you have is a stable of boxes that we'll need on occasion. But you don't have the skills to add to where the company wants to go now. And so all you are now is a service provider. Before, if you go back to the beginning, he was seen as a, a key partner in that growth journey. But now he's just going to become a service provider. Will his ego cope with that? No idea. But look at what he's doing now. You're seeing him everywhere. He's on the BBC. That no passion, no point nonsense is back on. He's running around there. He's getting his fighters placed there. You know, he's doing a lot more of his own stuff. That's why you're going to start seeing more of the Matchroom channel. He's still doing his stuff with Coogan. But what's happened is, as his empire looks like it's shrinking, he hasn't been able to pull any rabbits out of the hat. So I think we've, we've seen peak Eddie Hearn now. And as he gets older, and he gets less, less and less in touch with what younger fans want, I think he's going to find it really hard. And I have a feeling that he's going to end up being treated the same way in this new world as he did at Sky, where he will want to be treated like the, the genius visionary that he thinks he is. And they'll look at him and go, 
We actually don't need you for anything other than putting on boxing shows. Yeah. So go and sit in your box. We're going to talk to the big boys here about football, rugby and cricket. But one of the things that, that never gets talked about in situations like this, because people just talk about the money, people are going to lose their jobs. You don't need two sets of production stuff. You don't need two studios. You don't need two of anything. And as you integrate the business, there'll be people who lose their jobs. And like boxing broadcasting is such a specialist skill. Where else are you going to go? So don't, don't lose sight of the fact that there'll be some real casualties of this. As much as we get excited about Eddie being put back in his place and so forth, there'll be people that really lose their jobs. Because these things can be very brutal. But the nature of business is to be cold and ruthless like that, I guess. And so let me finish off by posing the question, what, what will the zone look like in five years' time? Honestly, it's one of, so there's one or two scenarios. It'll either crash and burn severely, right? Just too much debt, too much this, too much that, and it wipes out. The tech doesn't work. You know, people don't want to negotiate with them because people may still veto the zone getting access to the rights because here's the thing that you don't understand. Well, you probably do, sorry. There are so many interweaving relationships. So BT Sport will have a relationship with other parties around, you know, their content. You know, will the zone want to carry that on? Will people want to work with the zone in that way? All, all of these things matter. But really, the big picture for the zone is you build a media empire and you back that up with innovative and clever tech that actually works and that engages customers. And as you build this out and you start to grow, and it's not, we're not just talking Britain here, you, you grow globally. You start to package that up into something that you can either sell to a Disney or you float. And you say, right, this is a public company and that's how everyone makes their money back. That's the, that's the phase we're in now. We're in the kind of double or quits phase. If this doesn't work, if this isn't the trigger to to that growth and that valuation in the 10 to 20 billion range, it's done. It's a wrap. It's over. But this is the time to do it because they burnt so much capital with Eddie and this failed experiment with boxing and they're still paying for that. They dare not get it wrong with BT Sport as well. So their gamble is that drop from 3.5 million to 1.5 million isn't a terminal decline. But you look at it the ability to stream so freely, number one. Number two, the fact that youngsters don't even care about sport in most cases is another factor. So all of these things are, are issues that DAZN are going to have to address if they want to grow. But if the deal does happen, the thing I'm most interested in seeing is what happens to Eddie Hearn. Does, does he now have to deal with an extra layer of management? You know, does he get relegated to that kind of supplier relationship? And if he does, what will he do? Because I don't think, it, what's he now, 43, wherever he is? No, he's not the voice of the youth anymore. As much as he can dress up in Versace pajamas and whatnot, he's not the voice of the youth. And he isn't showing the maturity you'd want of an elder statesman in the sport. So I don't know what he does, to be honest with you. But I will have a, I'll have a lot of fun watching. I think that's probably enough without boring you guys on the, the intricacies of you know, how you get these deals over the line. What I will say is, Keep an eye out for this because it's going to affect a lot of things. How you consume boxing, how you consume football, how you consume all manner of sports. And then when you feed that into 
and it, I think it's becoming clear now, because capital is so cheap in the market, most people are happy to gamble on this. And what, what you're seeing actually is a lot of these deals are being driven by the bankers because they're saying we're sat on all of this capital and it's doing nothing for us. <clears throat> so we've got to lend it back out into the market. How do we lend vast amounts of capital in the billions? We recommend takeovers. Takeovers is we'll give you all the money you want. Yeah, as long as you can pay it back, give you all the money you want, you know, and that's why you see clubs are running in permanent debt because capital is so cheap now. United are basically in debt because capital is so cheap. So refinancing your debt is cheap. A takeover like this is happening because it's cheap. The big risk is were interest rates to go up and deals like this can't happen as freely. Now everyone's kind of stuck having bought at the top of the market and unable to sell. Now that might be problematic. And on that note, I'm going to wish you guys a good day. And I say this, look, first things first, if you're listening on Spotify, please subscribe. If you're listening on Apple, please make sure you subscribe so you get those notifications. And the same if you listen on SoundCloud. I never know which one I should be pushing because I don't know how people actually listen to Well, The numbers tell me, but because they collect numbers so differently, it's hard to really tell who listens to what. But please do, whichever platform you listen, please subscribe or follow and also just make sure you share, you know, a few of these episodes here, there and everywhere. Let's let's get that reach out and let's get those numbers up. You know, 2022 can't just be a year of growth for DAZN and BT Sport. Let's all try and grow this year. Take care, guys. Goodbye. <music>